Wonderful Life family. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Good to see you today. Could you bring them house lights up for me? Everybody looking good. I, I can see you. There you would go. You're coming into focus now. So good. Anybody excited for uh, this evening? Okay. Not many football fans, huh? Or you just don't care? No skin in the game, right? The Falcons aren't in the Super Bowl. Wow, that's a surprise. And the Falcons aren't in the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. So we're so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, I met a few people today. So glad you're here. Hope you felt right at home. And, and we, just want, we just want to say welcome to the family. Amen, Full Life family? Yeah, come on. Welcome them today. And then can you also give the ones who are watching this online, we want to just look in the camera and say, welcome today. We hope you felt the presence of God. Amen. Amen. So... Uh, as you came in today, you noticed uh, something happening in the foyer. Our students always go to a, a, a conference every year called Ford Conference in June. And it's a, it really is a life-transforming conference. And so what I'd like to do is I want to, first of all, tell you about the bake sale. Go ahead and make sure you go out there today. There's some baked goods out there. You can make a donation. You can also buy some items. There's a raffle. So, guys, I'm telling you, you guys ought to be fighting over this today. Go get that raffle because we're giving away a full-blown Valentine's date night, movies, popcorn, candy, all of that. So make sure you do that today. But before I move on, I want to just let you hear from one of our students the impact that this conference has had on their life. And I want to welcome, can you guys give a good welcome to Aiden Hunt? Come on up here, sir. So tell them about the impact. Come on over here with me. Let's get up here front and center, all right? Tell them about just, you know, just briefly the impact that Ford Conference had on your life. Yeah, it's, the impact it's had on my life is amazing because when you go, you're around thousands of people that are there to worship God and come closer to Him. So you also have all of their faith and all of their love for God around you. So just what in, sparks inside of me and what I've seen in other kids that I've been around is just amazing is when you go there and you come back a different person and while you're there you also get to create relationships with people around you like my youth pastor Amber who just recently left but I'm still great friends with her and it was just amazing to be able to grow with them and become more of a person who God wants us to be and learn about what God has for us and what truly a great scale of what God's power is like and what the Holy Spirit does in those rooms is something that can't can be accomplished here in this small room, but there, it's amazing what he can do, and I just love going to it, and it really moves me and encourages me to spread the gospel and bring other people to it because I want them to witness what I've witnessed there. Oh, yeah, tell, them, tell them what happened, though. There's a monumental moment that happened for you how many years ago at Forward? It was two years ago. Okay. No, it won. won. Okay. He had planted a seed for me to become a youth pastor and lead youth. And then later on at Motion, that is when I really was just struck and I was just in tears. I just couldn't control myself. It's just how much God had said, hey, I need you to do this. This is your calling. Amen. And it all started there at Forward. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Just put it, lay it back over there. Folks, listen. Uh, you heard what he said, right? He heard a call from God at Forward. 
And so it's an, it's an amazing opportunity, amazing environment that you're, we're going to send our students to, and they come back different. Amen, everybody. So glad. So thank you, Aiden, for sharing. By the way, he's, he's actually serving in kids' church this morning, and they're having a good time back there. So can we give him a hand for that, folks? I love it when our students are using their, their spiritual gifts to serve the body, and so it's such a good thing. You heard uh, Monica mention these cards, the the power of an invite. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And these cards right here that I have in my hand, they're available to you. And I just want to challenge you because when you invite people to church, like she said, it does create an opportunity. Like in moments like hate Aiden experience, the moments like you've experienced in church, it's an opportunity for, for God to get a hold of somebody and change their life for eternity. Amen, everybody? So grab some of those today and let's, let's uh, invite some people. So we're in a series this, this month called The DNA Relationships, and we've been talking about the idea that, that God has given us a responsibility to basically steward our relationships, right? And last week, here's what we said. We said, we have been wired for relationships. We can't get past it. God created it in us, in our DNA, to have relationships. Of course, those relationships look different. We have, we have, we have uh, marriages, we have friendships, we have relationships with our coworkers, or our bosses. And so they look like different types, but they all have something in common. We were all created for them. And last week, here's what we said. There's a, the DNA relationship involves three things. Number one, you were made for relationships. That's what we said. The second thing we said is that you were created to have a choice. You always have a choice in your relationships. Amen, everybody. You, you have a decision of how your relationships are going to go. Thirdly, it's your responsibility. So we have to take personal responsibility for the direction that our relationships go. And so given that theme... I want to continue that today and talk a little bit about more about your personal responsibility. But I also want to remind you about what we called, everybody remember what we said? We, had the, we have a dance. What do we call it? Anybody remember what we called it? The fear dance. I heard it. Somebody said it. We have what we call a fear dance. And what the, the fear dance is, is that as you are in relationship with people, as you're interacting, there are those moments where people push your buttons. Anybody ever had a button pushed? And it's really centered around your fears. And when they push, push a fear button, it starts this chain reaction of, okay, I'm going to respond to them, and they're going to respond to me. And pretty soon you have this cycle of what we call it, an unrhythmic, right? Like two people with two left feet dancing together in a fear dance because you're triggering over and over again the fears of the other person. And what we said was, we want to learn some new dance steps, right? We want to go to dance school. Anybody want to go to dance school today? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to dance school, and we're going to learn some new dance steps so we can put a halt to this fear dance because, truthfully, folks, we all do it. Me and Lori had a fear dance this week. Y'all believe that. Whether you believe it or not, Lori and I have a fear dance quite a bit. And usually it's my fault. I'm usually the one that, that kind of puts that thing in motion. So... Just, just a little bit of transparency there for you. So how do you break this fear dance? Now, have you ever heard, anybody ever heard the, the old phrase, it takes two to tango? That's a pretty familiar phrase. And it, it's true. And so in a relationship, in terms of a fear dance, it, it's true. But you know what? It only takes one person in that relationship to start making some different decisions to get things turned around, to put a halt to 
the fear dance. And we call it the power of one. In other words, one person taking responsibility for their own thoughts, their own actions, and their own reactions can actually change the trajectory and get you on a dance that's more rhythmic. Amen. And that's what we want to talk about today. And let me say this very clearly, folks. I want you to lean in this. You can control your thoughts. You believe that? And in turn, when you control your thoughts, you can control your emotions and the way you react to situation. Even when the other person pushes your buttons. I get it. Some of you are like, that is impossible. Because you don't know the person I live with. They know my buttons. And they're going to push them. Well, here's the thing. Just because they push them don't mean you have to respond a certain way. But I, I, here, here's what I'll bet. You have, you have this normal way of responding, don't you? You can probably picture it in your mind the way this goes. You got up in, on Saturday morning. Okay, ladies, and you cooked your husband a, a good breakfast. And he starts complaining about the burnt toast. What happens to you? Well, how dare him? I got up before he did. And the cycle goes. Well, what if when he said that about the burnt toast, you, you chose a different reaction? Now, I'm not picking on ladies. I mean, this is just an just illustration. But you have a choice in that moment. The moment he said something about the burnt toast, you have a choice to make about how you're going to respond. Am I right? But normally, because we're triggered, we feel helpless. And I got to respond this way. And then this fear dance has continued for years and years and years. And I'm saying to you, today, with all certainty, you can change that. And it starts right here between your ears, in your mind. And I'll say this. Your thoughts are the basis for your feelings and your emotions. Your thoughts are the basis for how you respond. Now, let me give you another example. See, let's say you're walking down the street, and you meet this stranger, and this stranger calls you a name. Now, some of you may get upset, but most of you say, you know what? So what? And you keep walking. If your spouse or a friend calls you that same name, how dare you call me that? What happened? The second instance triggered in you some kind of fear, something that you, they've been stepping on your fears for years. And so what happens is you continue to respond the same way, the name-calling, the maybe some of you, the ignoring What's your favorite type of response? Is it going into the room and slamming the door and not talking to them for two or three days? Or is it like, we're going we're gonna to have it out. Let's go, me and you right now. Y'all have these responses. Y'all looking at me like, okay, tell me yours. Because you have a response, but it's always because that person has triggered a fear in you. It could be a fear of rejection. It could be a fear of, remember last week, a fear of failure, a fear, fear of disconnect. Those are the three things we talked about last week. 
those fears that this person continues to tread on become the basis for how you respond. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Because just because you have a button and just because the person pushes it doesn't mean you have to respond the way you've always responded. Because remember the DNA. We talked about this. It's never about the other person. Always just about them, right? There's, remember what we said. It takes two to tango. And so if you're actually asking yourself the question, what, what really needs to change in this instance? What is it? My reaction. I got to change. Listen, I'm not, I can't, listen, when, when Lori and I have a fear dance, when we're doing this dance, I can't control her behavior. I can't make Lori act a different, a different way, right? But what I can do is say, I'm not responding the way I've always responded. Again and again. So you can't control what other people say. You can't control the buttons they push. But you can plug into the power of one and say, things are going to change. Turn to your neighbor and say, things are going to change today. Come on. Now, this is, we're speaking prophetically a little bit, aren't we? Some of you are like, mm-mm. We're going at it after this. You done made me mad this morning. So here are seven things, seven steps. I want, you to, I want to help you so you can take control of the way you react and respond to people. Not just marriages. Now, listen, this isn't confined to marriages. Friendships. This is going to be maybe a boss that triggers you all the time. Any relationship this can apply to, okay? So number one, take control of your thoughts your feelings, and your actions. And so what happens is we get fixated on the other person, right? And so when I'm constantly looking at the other person and what they're doing and I'm, all my attention is on that, you basically take away your own power. You become weak because you're focusing on, again, something you can't control. And if you try to control it, then it's really just an exercise in futility or inefficiency or it's going to be really, really frustrating for you. Can anybody else identify with that? How much more to be able to say, you know what? What I can control is how Lance responds, how Lance thinks. And what happens is I'm putting myself in a position where there is hope that things can change because I'm going to change me. And then what happens is, typically, the person that you're dealing with, when they see a change in you, guess what? They respond to that change. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, hey, you have, you have the ability. You have the opportunity. Even though as hard as it may be, you, you have that opportunity to change things in your relationship simply by making a choice of changing the way you think. Because what happens is when you, when you change your thoughts, your feelings begin to line up. Chris Hodges says it this way. Choices lead. And those of you who did freedom, you've done freedom with me, you remember this. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Say it with me. Choices. One more time. Feelings follow. But if you're used to your emotions controlling you, this is going to be a challenge. But again, where does it start? Right between the ears. Your choices largely determine whether you're going to enjoy deep, satisfying, 
relationships or opposite, fragile, disappointing ones. Let me ask you a question. Which of those would you want? Let me hear from you. Do you want the deep, satisfying relationships? Or do you want the fragile ones that disappoint you over and over again? Some of you right now, you're in a place where you're like, Pastor, I just don't, I'm numb. I don't even know how I feel. And that's okay. But I do believe that God's offering you hope today for better relationships. Even if you see, you can't see things getting better. Number two, take responsibility for your buttons. Okay? Again, it doesn't help if you focus on the stuff that you think needs to change in the other person. Well, only if. If he would stop talking to me like that. Or if he would stop treating me that way. Things could get better. What's happened? You've lost power. But now you'll say, I don't have to respond to the way you're acting. You can even tell them, listen, I'm not going to respond to you like this. I've always responded to you anymore. I'm making the decision to treat you different. Wouldn't that be great if you heard that from your spouse? And, and it wasn't in a, in a negative way. It's like, listen, I have made a decision that I want our relationship not only to just exist, but I want to flourish in our relationship. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a promise to you. You can even do it right in front of me. I'm going to make a vow to you that I'm going to do my part to change the way I think and the way I respond so that at least on my end, things are going to get better. Are y'all with me so far? This is the power of personal responsibility. And you're going to take responsibility for those buttons and so again your thoughts your actions all of your fears you're going to bring into captivity to christ and let him renew your mind so that your response is different how many you know there's an opportunity for you to think differently if there wasn't the bible wouldn't say it Philippians 4.8 says this. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, read it with me, true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? So here's the thing, folks. Are you powerless to think differently? Not at all. No, you have the capacity. God has given you the capacity to change the way you think. It's in his word. Let me give you another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this one's dealing a little bit with spiritual warfare. Because how many know we're in a war all the time? How many know, how many know Satan does not want your, your relationships to work? He's going to do everything that he can to destroy your relationships. And here's what one of the things that can help you is, if you're aware of that, you can make a difference. You can change. Because here's what it says. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the what? The knowledge of God. So anything that you hear or read or see that doesn't line up with what God's word says, you have permission to dismiss it. Amen, everybody. Notice what he says. He says, and we take captive. Everybody say, take captive. Say it loud. 
take captive what? Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So you see the, the power that you have, the responsibility that you have, the ability that you have to change what goes on up here. Now, in a practical sense, what does that look like? Can I help you just a few minutes? If you're not engaging with God's Word on a regular basis, if you're not reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the Word of God, this is going to be very difficult for you. Because it's in the power of God's Word that the mind is renewed. There's another passage. You can go read it in Romans 12. It says, it actually says, be transformed. You guys know what that word transformed means? It's a metamorphosis. Like a, you ever think of a butterfly? When a caterpillar goes in a, in a cocoon and he comes out a butterfly, what happened? There was a metamorphosis. There was a change. There was something drastic that happened. That's what the Bible talks about when it says we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does that happen? Meditating, memorizing, reading, and studying. And let me, say, well, let me add one more. Practicing the Word of God. It's powerful. This is, this is probably the most powerful tool that you have in your arsenal. If you want to change the way you think and therefore change your actions, your emotions, you have to start where you, it's always started, and that is with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody. Do you believe that today? So we're taking captive our thoughts. We're saying we are not, listen to me, we are not at the mercy of those who push our buttons. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not at the mercy of those who push my buttons. Come on. Do you believe it? Lori, I'm not at the mercy of those who push my buttons. I'm going to get it for that afterward. Number three, don't give others the power to control your feelings. You see, freedom, you know, we, we all love freedom. How many of you love freedom? You glad to live in the United States of America? Are you glad to live in the United States of America? I'm, I'm, I'm red, white, and blue through and through. There's freedom, right? But with the freedom comes what? Responsibility. In a practical sense, we have an election year coming up, right? We're going to go out and vote, right? Amen, everybody. We're going to pray for our leaders. Amen, everybody. Doesn't matter what you, how you agree with them or not, you pray for them because why? Because the Bible says to pray for our leaders. Now, the reason I bring that up is with the freedom comes the responsibility. The same is true with your feelings. Oh, I'm free to have any kind of relationship I want to, but here's the thing. There's a responsibility that I can own that you don't have. Listen, I can't make you... I can't make you feel a certain way. Oh, yes, you can't. No, 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 no. With the freedom comes the responsibility. So I could come and I could just lay into somebody a good one and them say, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that way. They've just shown the freedom that they have to make a decision, right? But they've also shown the responsibility of handling it correct. How many of that would be hard for you? If somebody just comes and lays into you, a good one. 
our normal reaction? Put them up. Y'all laughing because you know it's true. I've been guilty of it. But the freedom that you have as a follower of Jesus, as one who's been bought with a price, there's a responsibility to respond in a way that honors God. That's how I'll put it. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? So you don't have to let people push your buttons to the point where you lose such control that you say, man, I cannot believe I said that. I cannot believe I acted that way. Has anybody ever seen those, um, those shows, People Behaving Badly? You ever seen that? They could have used some of this, couldn't they? Because there's some, there's some people acting bad out there. None of y'all have ever done that, though, right? Number four, don't look to others to make you happy. Let me say that again. Don't look to others to make you happy. Now, let me say this real clearly. This goes against culture, doesn't it? Because when you're watching Hallmark or you're watching your favorite movie, What's the underlying theme? If I can just get that perfect guy, if I could just get that perfect girl, life would be grand and fulfilling. Where did that lie come from? It came from the enemy. Now listen to me. Listen to your pastor. I'm not saying that your relationships can't be fulfilling. I'm saying when you, when you look to the person, whether it's friendship or marriage, to make you happy, you're setting yourself up for some huge disappointment. I know this goes against the grain, but it's true. Where is the source of your fulfillment? Or who, let me say who. Y'all, I hear, I'm hearing it. Come on. God alone is the source of your fulfillment. And so any time that you try to, you put somebody in that position, you set, you set it up for failure because now you've made yourself codependent on this person. If this person acts a certain way, I'm not happy. If they act this way, I'm not happy. Oh, but if they act this way, I'm happy. But they're not always going to act the way you want them to act. Is that not right? And so when I, when I place that much responsibility on the other person, I'm setting the relationship up for failure. And we do it all the time. We've even, we've even said it. If I could just find that friend who can make me happy. Everybody said that? Or this one. In a successful marriage. Maybe you've even heard marriage, so-called marriage experts say this. In a successful marriage, both spouses meet all the other needs. No, that's not, what, that's not true. They can't. It's not in them to fulfill all of your needs. They're not God. Amen, everybody. And so you have to be realistic about your expectations of, your per, of the person that you're in relationship. Again, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coworker, you still have the responsibility of saying no. They're not responsible for my happiness. That's in my court. Amen? It's unhealthy when you do that. Because here's what God's promised. Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply a few of your needs. 
according to his riches and glory. Did I get that right? No, I didn't. There's a key word that I, that I didn't get. My God shall supply all your needs. So he is the source of all your needs. Now, I'll, let me say this. The relationships. Anybody like a good uh, hot fudge Sunday? Whipped cream. Come on. You guys remember Shoney's? Anybody remember Shoney's? Whoa. Y'all remember that hot fudge cake? Mm-mm. I, I, you just came alive. My goodness. Okay. Hot fudge Sunday's for everybody next week. I'm kidding. But what do, what do they always put on the top? The cherry. It's always that, that little extra. That's the relationship that God's given you. That's the friendships. That's the marriages. Everything else, God supplies your needs, but he adds this little cherry on top just to say, yeah. Amen. And you just want to, if you, if you have that, that, hot, that hot fudge Sunday in a glass, you're, just, you're down in there licking the bowl. None of y'all have ever done that, have you? Abraham Lincoln said this. I reckon that people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Whose responsibility is, is it? Yours. The other person can't make you happy. Amen, everybody. And so the, the level of your fulfillment in your relationships will always go back to the thoughts that you have and the, the way you've re- determined to react to life, okay? Now, let me say this as well. I've heard people say, well, I just want peace in my marriage or in my relationship. Anybody ever said that? Is it possible to have peace? Of course it is. Because again, if you're owning the responsibility, you can do what it takes. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives us some good advice about this. Romans 12, verse 18 says this. If it is possible, as far as it does what? Turn to your neighbor and say, it depends on you. Live at peace with who? Everybody. What does it say? As it depends on you. As it depends on me, all of the relationships that I'm engaged in, I have a responsibility of doing everything I can to make sure we're, in, we're walking in peace. What if everybody did that? What a wonderful world. If you decide to control how you react to the challenges, the insults, the difficulties, and the conflicts of life, a whole world of peace opens up to you. Here's the next one. Uh, become the CEO. Let me, let me kind of give you a caveat here. Become the CEO of your life means that, that your responsibility. Who's the real CEO of your life? I want to make sure you get that. The Holy Spirit, God is the real CEO of your life, but he has given you the responsibility to take charge. Now, let me ask you a question. When did you become an adult? Oh, I became an adult at 21. Really? Y'all watch 21-year-olds behave anytime soon, lately? How did you behave at 21? I don't know about you. I did some pretty stupid stuff at 21. (laughs) Am I the only one? (laughs) 
So the point is, it's not an age. It's when you can take responsibility for yourself, right? And how you respond in relationships, in reaction to other people, right? If you're accepting the responsibility that you have of making sure that your relationships work. That's being the CEO of your life. So when you take responsibility for yourselves, you're empowered. Don't you love that word? That's a buzzword in business right now. Let's empower people. What, is, what, do, they, what do we mean by that? We give them the ability to, to make some decisions, right? I've empowered you to do this job. You're giving them permission to make decisions that alter that job. The same is true for you. When you become an adult, you have been empowered to make decisions that will better cause your relationships to flourish. Can I get an amen, everybody? So here's the thing. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It's when you become responsible for your thoughts, your actions, your emotions, your reactions. That's the moment you become an adult. Because a lot of times kids, they'll blame somebody else or they'll just go, you know, I remember uh, a couple of times where my oldest son um, chose to behave badly in Walmart. Y'all, y'all's kids never did that, did they? No, I'm literally, he's in the floor and he's pitching a fit. He's a kid. He's not very much in control of his emotions, is he? So the point is, the moment that you're able to control your emotions and respond in a way that's healthy, that's when you become really an adult. Does that help anybody today? So here's some things I want you to understand. That if you're wanting to have peace, if you're wanting to have the, you know, this power of one where you take personal responsibility, the first thing that you need to do is give God all of your expectations. Okay? Give him your expectations of people, right, of places, of things, of anything that you expect to bring you lasting happiness, you, you say, Lord, I submit that to you, okay? They're, it's yours now. And so what happens is my focus goes off of those things, off of that people, and now I go to God and say, you're the source of life. You're the source of my hope. You're the source, as we say it around here, of full life overflowing. Amen, everybody. Here's the second thing. Because life is, how many, know, how many believe life is pretty stressful? It's been pretty stressful over the last few years. And, and we have some opportunity here to realize, folks, that the negative things that happen to you. How many know COVID was pretty negative? Was anybody... Negatively impacted by COVID. Let me see your hand. Oh, y'all lying? Everybody in the world has their hand up. We were sheltered in place for eight weeks, for crying out loud. Amen? I'm not getting on to you. I'm just saying. It's, we've all been impacted negatively, right? So what did we do with that? What was our response to all the negative that happened, all the mental stress, the depression? Oh, some people got laid off their jobs. We had family members that passed away in the middle of COVID. What happened? We have an opportunity to say, I'm reframing this to something positive. 
How? How is it possible to reframe stuff to positive? Well, here's what the Bible says. James 1, 2 says, consider it pure what? Everybody say it loud. When what happens? When you face trials. Wait, 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 wait. Joy in trial? How is that possible? Because remember what we said about joy. Joy supersedes circumstances. Because what's happening is, it's what's going on on the inside of you that matters most. And so if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know that one day you're going to face him because of what Christ did, you have eternal life. While you're here, he, he blessed you, you had all those things, you have an opportunity to say, it doesn't matter what's going on, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, I'm walking in, I'm choosing joy. Amen. It's, it's a choice. Remember, you have the responsibility to choose. I choose joy. Everybody say it. I choose joy. So the key of joy and peace is deciding that trials are good for you. What happens is we grow once we're past it. You can grieve over it. You can mourn over it. But once you get past it, you're stronger. Why are you stronger? Because you've seen the faithfulness of God through it. Can I get a witness this morning? That God is always with you through your trials. And when you look back over them, you see the faithfulness of God. Amen, everybody. That's why, that's how you can choose joy in the middle of your circumstances. Here's number six. Find some help. Get some people to help you. It could be your spouse. It could be a close friend. And basically what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I need to be held accountable to this. If you start seeing me behaving, behaving badly and I may end up on a TV show somewhere, can you help me, please? Do we need those kind of friends? The Bible says that, that brothers, friends are born for adversity. They're born for times when things aren't going so well or when I'm not behaving so well. I need, anybody else need help? I need somebody not judging me, not making me feel, you know, pushing buttons, right? But saying to me, or you're actually saying, I, I need you in my corner. Anybody have any corner people? You need them. Our life groups, that's an opportunity for some corner people to say, you know what? We love you. We care about you. We're walking through this journey with you. We're not going to let you fall. We got you. Come on, somebody. We got your back. That's what you need in this. If you want your relationships to flourish, if you want that power of one, find some help. Amen. Because how many of you know CEOs need help? They need assistance. They need people to walk alongside them. So if you disclose to these people, listen, listen, Charlie, man, I, I need your help, man. I'm having trouble with, you know, saying just... My tone with my wife is horrible. Can you help me? Well, the first time he hears me fuss Lori out, what's he going to do? It's me and you talk. Brother, you asked me to help you. Now, he has a response, right? He has a choice to make how he's going to deal with me. But if he loves me, he's going to say, look, man, you, we had this agreement. You told me to help you. And so I'm helping you. The way you're talking to your wife, it's got to go. Y'all with me? It's not working. You need that. 
So find them. Find those people who love you, who believe in you, who says God's got you on a, purpose, a trail of purpose, and they're going to they're walk with you through it, and they're going to call you out sometimes. That's hard in our society. Why? Because what did we say last week? It ain't my fault. It's their fault. If I had this better job, better not. You know, we just blame, 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 blame. If we say, no, no, I'm taking responsibility for me. This, this works. Because I'm actually taking responsibility for that person that I've asked to help me. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. Remember these questions. For what things am I fully responsible? My behavior, right? The way I treat people. The way I talk to people. My job. All, I mean, there's a, a ton of stuff, right? Number two. In what areas do I have shared responsibility? In the marriage, right? Or even at work. There's interdependence. There's working together, right? There's shared responsibility. And then, in what areas do I have no responsibility? Think about that. So, how can you learn to take appropriate levels of responsibility in any given situation? That's a good question to answer. And I want you to consider these, these three things as you're asking that question. I am fully responsible for my thoughts, my feelings, my beliefs, and my behaviors. All right? I'm not responsible for Charlie's thoughts, for Charlie's thought, feelings, for Charlie's beliefs, or Charlie's behaviors. And in a relationship, I can set myself up for influence. If I begin behaving differently, I can gain influence with people, but I cannot control them. You see the difference. I can't control the way they think. I can't control the way they believe or their feelings. All I can do is set myself up because of my own personal responsibility, because of my own choices to have influence in their life. And so when we talk about responsibility, we need to consider that. I'm responsible for how I behave, how I think, how I respond. And the last one is this. This is really powerful. Because, for one thing, Jesus was very clear about forgiveness. If you've ever read the New Testament, the Gospels, he made some pretty powerful statements about forgiveness. And one of them is this. If you don't forgive others, what what did he say? You can't be forgiven. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so there is power in forgiving people. And the reason it is so powerful is because it releases. Everybody say releases. Because here it's it's actually twofold, right? It's it's giving it. Is that pretty hard to do? Is it hard to forgive people? And asking for it. That's even harder. Men, when you mess up, how hard is it to say to say I'm sorry? Women, how hard is it to say I'm sorry? Based on my own experience, it's hard. So it's twofold. It's giving it and asking for it. And the first part of this is, uh, is this question. Do you want your relationships to flourish? What's the answer? A resounding yes. I hope it's a resounding yes. Learn to get good 
at forgiving. Take responsibility. Remember, what, what did we say? Choices lead what? Feelings follow. And so you may say, I don't, forgive, I don't feel like forgiving that person. You don't know what they did to me. Choices lead. Y'all getting this? So make the hard choice to forgive whether you feel like it or not. And listen, even the depth of, the, of whatever the pain is that they've caused you, that's not a factor. Jesus didn't say, well, if they did this to you, it's okay to not forgive. He said, forgive no matter what. And here's the thing. If they ask you a hundred times a day to forgive you, what are you supposed to do? Forgive. I know this isn't fun. It's not goosebumps. But folks, this is practical. This is, this is where your relationship, this is the rubber meeting the road relationship building stuff. Amen, everybody. And so you make a choice to be the first one. What if I didn't do anything wrong? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Because what's the ultimate goal? You need to think about this. What is the ultimate goal? I want my relationships to flourish. So if, I, if that's my, my aim, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that we get this thing back on track. So if it means apologizing for something I didn't even do, if it gets the ball rolling, I'm going to do it. Amen, everybody. What did we say? We're going to make the hard choice of being the first to ask for forgiveness. That's powerful. Has anybody ever been a product of that word? Man, I can't believe that person. I, after looking at it, they didn't do anything wrong, but they asked me to forgive them. What am I going to say? No, I'm not forgiving you. Forgiveness involves two actions. The first one is pardon. The second one is, and this is really powerful, it involves caring for the offended person, the offending person, because most people who offend us have something in their own heart that needs healing. Can I say that again? Forgiveness involves caring for the offending person because most people who offend us have something in their own heart that needs the healing. Now, here's what I'll say. When I begin to see it through that lens, and maybe, maybe you've heard this, hurt people, can y'all finish it? Hurt people hurt people. And when I begin to look through that eyes, hey, somewhere down the road, this person got hurt. And they've never really been able to go get past it. And so now I'm actually reaping the repercussions of that hurt. And we have empathy for them. We have compassion for them. And so here's what happens. We're able to say, you know what? I forgive you. What if we did that? What would happen to your relationships if you chose to release people of their wrong. Here's what will happen. Healing will happen. And it's not just for them. It'll be for you too. Because God knows how destructive bitterness 
and resentment are in your life. Because if you continue to carry that, it's like what they did to you will spew out onto somebody else. And here's what happens. There's a, there's a pattern. There's a cycle. There's a, this whole mess that happens because one person chose not to forgive and said, no, I'm holding on to that. And because of that, it's, it's very destructive. But on the flip side of that, forgiveness brings restoration and healing. Aren't you glad that Jesus was the example? Aren't you glad that after being beaten beyond recognition, thorns being jammed on his head, nails put in his hands and feet, from the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What did he see? He saw in them the hurt. He saw in them the pain. He, what he, listen to me, folks. Lean into this. What he was doing for them on the cross would be the most healing thing ever. The gospel of Jesus Christ will heal your sin-sick, hurt, broken soul. Amen, everybody. And so the power of the cross is this. It's the power of forgiveness. Amen. So cultivate that habit of not only asking for forgiveness, but forgiving other people. Forgiveness heals relationships. So what's your response today, folks? You gotta understand that your thoughts are the basis of your emotions, okay? They're a basis for your reactions. Learn to break this rhythm, this two left feet rhythm of this fear dance by incorporating this new Dance step of personal responsibility. I can't let anybody control how I respond. It's my responsibility. Take control of those thoughts. Take control of your emotions. Allow the Holy Spirit to heal you from the inside out. Amen? Take responsibility for those fear buttons. You know what they are. And you know when somebody's going to step on them and you're going to say, no, 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 not this time. Amen? Don't give others the power. To control how you feel. Don't look to others to make you happy. Yes, your relationships can be fulfilling. But it's not their responsibility to make you happy. That That just freed a bunch of people up today. Become the CEO of your life. Recruit people to help you. You need help. And understand how powerful forgiveness is. It's the power of the gospel. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.